If you enjoy listening to Voices in Cloud, check out David Linthicum's reports on gigaohm.com. They're about data complexity and cloud solutions, addressing many of the topics covered in this podcast series. Hey guys, welcome to the Gigaohm Voices in Cloud podcast. This is your one place where you will hear from industry thought leaders providing no-nonsense advice on how to succeed with cloud computing, IoT, edge computing, and cognitive computing. I'm Dave Lenthicon, best-selling author, speaker, executive, and B-List geek. And with me today is my special guest, Dana Gardner. Uh, Dana, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Dave. Good to be with you again. So after 20 years of tracking IT advances and disruptions and 35 years of interviewing some of the smartest people in the fields, the combination means the creation and exposure of compelling digital content on what works best as business struggles with transformation. So that rich experience also generates process innovation and efficiency to produce continuous stream of narratives. Now, I love this copy, by the way, now a 800 plus, now 800 plus over 14 years, how to succeed. How to, uh, how to Success Briefing Direct uh, podcast, which I've actually been on, and stories, and quickly and affordable. So you wrote that yourself? Uh, no, but I like it. <laughs> I tripped, clipped this directly out of your LinkedIn page. I thought that oh, was a great copy. So, you <laughs> I know wrote it 10 years ago, so it slipped my mind. <laughs> so anyway, Dana, kind of catch us up. Uh, I got a new audience here in the Gigome uh, Gigom podcast. Tell us what you're all about, what you're working on, and what's what's a typical week in the life of Dana Gardner? Yeah, thanks, Dave. Well, a uh, typical week is like trying to keep my head above water. It's been really busy, um, but I go to a lot of events. I talk to a lot of users. I talk to a lot of executives, and I put together podcasts that sort of summarize that. So my life is a lot about interviewing, gathering information, synthesizing it, and then coming up with some narratives, uh, uh, you know, making it easy for people to listen to and consume, whether they like podcasts as, as the medium or written in, in blogs or, or PDFs, what have you. So it's really uh, the same kind of task I've been doing for a long time, learning, synthesizing, and then trying to make the um, results of that uh, digestible and interesting for as many people as possible. What do you think is a better medium these days? Are people, uh, the written word, videos, or audio? You know, it really varies, and I even change myself. There are times where I prefer to listen. There are times I like to read. I think you've got to have it all. I think it's really a continuum, and however you intercept that continuum in a specific context, whether it has to do with the, um, the interface or the time of the day or the place which you're at, I, I think we've got to give people full multimedia and let them take it in however suits them in the moment, which is kind of interesting because it's a parallel to where we are in the cloud continuum with how IT intercepts uh, data and services and deployment uh, resources. So um, the people, the person is almost mimicking the the whole technology uh, universe. Yeah, it's interesting. I know my the way I consume information is is varies over time and and it's more videos now, but you know, typically it's a mixture between audios and, and written word, things like that. And I think as people kind of move on, it'll become more, a little bit more automagical and probably the ability to kind of consume the same content in different ways. I think that's going to be a trend going forward. So you wrote yeah. a story about how HCI, hyperconverged infrastructure, forms a simple foundation for hybrid cloud, edge, and composable infrastructure. And I thought this was going to be an interesting story for our audience because many of whom are in the cloud don't understand what hyperconverged infrastructure is, how it relates to cloud computing, how things kind of work together, and really the advantages of it. Can you kind of enlighten us there? Yeah, well, actually, a cloud audience should get it because it's really about 
software defined uh, as a way of setting up uh, resources and how those resources have been integrated uh, as an appliance using uh, the software defined capabilities. And so, you know, just like you would access a cloud uh, service through an API perhaps, or use microservices to create uh, and, and make um, services of your own, the uh, hyper-converged world has taken the server, the network, and the storage, and instead of having to you know, work with them individually and be the, the glue and the smarts and the uh, configuration guru among and between them, a lot of that is automated so that you're dealing with those deployments and creating your apps and services as you would be uh, in a services environment or a software-driven, software-defined environment. So there's some commonality, and that's why I wanted to have that discussion, because I think that there's a lot that they can benefit from, from each other. The cloud benefits from a hyper-converged and, and the edge as well, and then the people who are good at hyper-converged should be able to consume and use uh, cloud all the better. So we're looking, again, at a continuum. Uh, it's not either or, it's all of the above. So where did HCI come from? Where did it evolve from? I think it started in storage, right? So uh, there was complexity with how people were dealing with storage and uh, arrays, and there was some automation and intelligence brought to that and some standardization. And so we saw, um, you know, convergence around different um, storage environments so that you could just basically declare your storage preferences and then it would be automated as to how that would get played out. And then that got uh, get extended to the, the server and then to the network. So we've had software-defined um, evolution across those three domains, and then you combine them into a, a converged and then ultimately a hyper-converged uh, offering. So going forward, how should cloud architects really kind of think around HCI? I think, um, I think you're right. I mean, many of the same patterns in cloud computing are there within HCI. It's kind of derived from HCI. But these kind of architectures kind of work and play well together, so they're not necessarily mutually, mutually exclusive. But what are the use cases typically for this technology? Right. So uh, HCI had kind of a weird um, evolution to get started. It became very popular for VDI or, or um, uh, virtual desktop infrastructure uses. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that you were trying to manage uh, some very daunting requirements for storage and compute and you're doing it all in a virtualized environment such that <clears throat> HCI just was the right thing at the right time. And so uh, VDI sort of drove uh, the, um, the point of the arrow into the market for, for VDI. But I think uh, private cloud is really its, uh, its strong suit. It's where it makes a lot of sense. And again, as you point out, the architectural um, and deployment uh, skills and strategies align between that and cloud. Um, so it's been um, a very rapidly growing um, market the last year, year and a half. Uh, Dell has done very well. Uh, Nutanix has done quite well. And there's uh, several other players, but those are the two biggies. What about utilization and edge computing? Yeah, so uh, as we look to bringing essentially the equivalent of a standard data center to the edge, uh, we're creating micro and sometimes ruggedized data centers um, makes sense to me that you would want to have a hyper-converged environment there. I mean, if you're having trouble setting up a uh, data center on-premises where you're, uh, you have proximity and control, uh, imagine the, the, the added complexity of bringing that out to an edge in uh, a factory or a warehouse or even further 
into uh, devices themselves, like a 5G transmitter on a telephone pole somewhere. So <clears throat> hyperconverged also to me makes a great deal of sense at the edge. And now, wow, if we have commonality between what we're doing at the edge, what we're doing in a hybrid or uh, a private cloud, and also what we're doing in the public or multi-cloud, uh, suddenly we're starting to really see a commonality of the likes I don't think we've ever seen before in IT. And that's not only a benefit for skill sets, it really allows for a commonality of services, apps, microservices. I think it's uh, you know, kind of a very interesting uh, environment where we can start to see mm, commonality of apps and services from edge to core to cloud, which can be quite powerful. So you've talked to a lot of you know, thought leaders in the HCI space and some of the interviews you have up there on uh, Briefings Direct. And I urge everybody listening to this podcast to go check those out. So where do you see this technology going? How are you aggregating the opinions of all these various uh, personalities in the HCI market as to you know, where things are going? What's truly going to be the case going forward? What are they predicting and how are you feeling it? Yeah, well, um, we're going to probably stop talking about HCI and hyperconvergence and maybe even hybrid cloud uh, pretty soon. And it won't really be a factor of how it's deployed. We'll be focusing more as we should be on the applications, the process, the services, and of course, making intelligence part and parcel of that. So being able to uh, do uh, data ops and have data available uh, across that continuum from the edge to the cloud, and then factor whether analytics should take place at the edge or in a cloud or in a data center, depending on things like uh, latency and deliverable um, access for, for data sets as well as cost and security and data sovereignty issues. So um, having that continuum and factoring in the use of analytics along the way, uh, that to me is where the new sort of uh, innovation and where we should be focusing. So we're gonna be <clears throat> able to start doing things with business process and optimization in, in, in mind and not be thinking about whether it's crunching at the core, crunching at the edge, whether it's hyperconverged or bare metal or standard legacy uh, Unix deployments, it won't be that much, um, you know, visible or, or people won't even care. So once again, we're abstracting above the plumbing yet higher and higher as we go through the 30 or 40 year progression of IT. And, um, you know, the good news is, is a lot of what people wanted to do right once run anywhere, if you will, 20 years ago, is starting to come true. And it's not even going to be worrying about an application. It's going to be focused more on accomplishing business, making the best of what people do as people and machines do as machines, and then letting the people who are on the procurement side, like the, the um, financial people, let them decide whether it should run in a cloud, a private cloud, or the edge. It's not really a technical decision any longer. It's about what's the best cost What's the best optimization? What's the best price performance equation? And letting um, letting that uh, algorithm decide and, and stepping back in and focusing on on your business benefits. Well, I hope so. That'll make my job as an architect architect much easier because we ultimately the ability to abstract ourselves away from all this complexity that's coming down the line and it's getting worse and worse and worse is going to be the core challenge. So other article you wrote was, and I, I really enjoyed this, how real-time data streaming and integration set the stage for AI-driven data ops. And this is an interview, of course, but I thought the, the topic and the subject matter were just kind of spot on. And we do have this AI-driven 
you know, data operations notion that really kind of emerged in the last uh, couple of years and AI ops people, you know, basically binding these things together. And right. it seems to me kind of a match made in heaven since we are talking about dealing with complexity and we have data streaming, data integration, the ability to have, you know, common metadata, virtualized databases, things like that. Just things are getting so intense and complex out there in dealing with information. We need to have these learning operational layers in order to basically increase and better things during time so they can be smarter than we can be and we can't monitor these things all the time. They can make adjustments for how they need to operate the data effectively. Am I off base? No, not at all. Um, what's interesting though is there are vertical industries that get this and that are applying analytics in ways that um, replace what is a, 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 a sort of repeatable, uh, drudge type of affair that people do. Sometimes that's in call centers. Sometimes it's in finance or procurement. Um, but what's odd is that um, we're replacing complexity and redundancy in business settings. And, and the IT people who have the same issues are uh, somewhat reluctant. <laughs> so it's the case of the uh, cobbler's children not having any shoes. IT is providing the tools for data scientists and people that are building bots using um, pro programmable robotic um, uh, applications. And the IT people seem to be stuck in still using spreadsheets and sometimes uh, little yellow sticky notes to, to manage the complexity of, of their IT operations. But increasingly, as you say, the complexity across a continuum of public cloud, private cloud, multi-public cloud, also factoring us in, in legacy, also factoring in edge, also factoring in analytics and data lakes and, and warehouses. Uh, it, it can't be something that uh, the swivel chair network uh, administrator folks can handle, and they shouldn't. Uh, increasingly, they should be looking to write uh, the scripts and the bots that will uh, do these um, configurations and look for um, issues and even start predicting where breakdowns will, will take place and optimize and automate and let the machines optimize the machines so that, again, we can elevate and abstract what the people do away from maintenance and firefighting into uh, innovation and business process uh, optimization things. So um, AI ops to me is fascinating and the tools are there, the technologies are there. Uh, I've, I've talked to lots of people that are building these analytics uh, applications and engines and capabilities, but I've yet to see any vendor or any uh, supplier uh, step up and say, we're going to be the, the one uh, name brand that you're going to recognize for bringing analytics to the AI environment and conquering the complexity issues. Uh, it still seems to be, for some reason, something that people don't want to just bite off uh, and, and, and own. I mean, people being the enterprises consuming the technology or the technology vendors providing the technology? Uh, the, the vendors. Uh, a lot of the vendors uh, apparently um, resist being associated with a IT AI um, product set. Do, do, you know, do you know of any? No, I don't. I mean, the thing, well, I mean, there's a few that are actually kind of marrying the that are uh, thinking about the two. But it really, if you think about artificially intelligent systems that are bound into, you know, analytical systems and predictive analytical systems, things like that, I don't think we've been able to scratch the surface because we just don't have the skill sets out there. You don't have people who have knowledge engineering, deep skills, deep skills in business analytics, 
deep skills in data analytics and the ability to kind of bind these things together. We may have silos of people and right. scientists that exist out there, but when you deal with the, the vendors, you're typically not dealing with deep, deep academic scientists. You're dealing with people who are able to collaborate and build things that they're able to go out and sell, you know, in a couple of months, you know, or, uh, you know, six or seven months down the line. And that's where, you know, CTO, this is always the big uh, dilemma in my world, the ability to kind of either bleed the edge out there and getting too far out ahead of it and not necessarily having the impact in the market. And the other thing was finding the people who are able to actually do it. You can't do everything yourself. So it becomes kind of um, the ideas are, are leading the, the actual execution of it. Is that the best way to put it? What are you seeing? I think there's there's cultural issues and, and, and the skills thing is big too. So maybe we need to find some data scientists who want to do a summer abroad and instead of going overseas, actually go and move into the IT department. Because I think if you brought some data scientists and you stuck them in the IT department and left them there for three months and told them they couldn't leave, that they'd probably find lots of cool, interesting things to do with all of the data that's flowing out of um, these machines, all of these servers and virtual environments and distributed uh, data centers, whether it's HCI on the edge or what have you, if they could pool that, um, and we have lots of great vendors that are out there helping to make that data available. It's just no one is seemingly plugging it into the analytics, uh, bleeding edge analytics capabilities, and then starting to automate from that to run IT better than people can, basically. Yeah, I mean, again, your lips to God's ears. I mean, we're we're getting to the point where we actually need this technology to be in place just because of the complexity of the systems are, that, are, that are showing up. And so we're layering upon multi-cloud, we're layering, you know, these uh, complex hybrid cloud infrastructures, the ability to leverage, you know, some of these, um, you know, some of these cloud peripherals, you know, such as Outpost and, and Stack that are existing on-premise, which are kind of analogs for the cloud. And getting into this architectural complexity and the data complexity on top of it and the ability to, in essence, make sense of that in some sort of a meaningful way and continuously improve that over time, just as something I don't see as a fire in the belly within most of the enterprises and even some of the vendors out there. And maybe the, maybe the idea is the fact that we are thinking a little too advanced. I mean, people aren't necessarily ready to take their data to that level. I found back in the integration space, they're even unwilling to integrate the data, get the stuff, get the stuff together. So what do you think is going to get them off the dime? Competitive forces, uh, people following the hype, management, my magazine kinds of things. Well, if you have the philosophy that you don't want all of your IT to go to a public cloud, um, you better think about the fact that the hyperscaler public cloud people are putting tools like this to work. They're not productizing them, of course. They're not bringing them out to the market. But you can bet your sweet bippy that AWS has got some AI going on behind the scenes to help it run its data centers to the optimal degree because every nickel and dime that they save in terms of efficiency, uh, every core that doesn't have to go down uh, and be replaced or can be replaced before it goes down is, is money in the bank. That margin is, is their business. So if the hyperscalers are creating the internal means to do AI ops and they're nowhere near or interested in bringing it out to the market, they're just gonna be able to beat the pants off of people who are trying to run vast data centers in a private setting um, and do it at a, at a, at a price point that, that's acceptable or even at a complexity level that's, that's manageable. So I think perhaps the, the ultimate push in the market will be if you're thinking that you're in some ways competing 
or resisting the public cloud providers that you don't want them to make an offer you can't refuse, then you better start doing AI ops because pretty sure they are. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. That's absolutely what people need to be thinking about right now. So folks out there, if you're looking in terms of becoming excellent and dealing with operational aspects, data, governance, you know, compliance, I mean, the the list goes on in kinds of the things we're dealing with right now. And typically you have pressure getting into operations as things get more complex. They're kind of finding they're being set up for failure just because they can't manage the complexity with the budgets and the resources that they have this is a place you can look. And obviously this is gonna be an issue that's gonna hit you in 2021, 2022, but you should be solving the problem now. That's how long it takes to get the approaches in place and the tooling in place to make things happen. So anyway, please pick up a copy of my book, Cloud Computing and Civil Convergence, available on Amazon and other places books are sold. Also make sure to follow me on Twitter, at David Linthicum, L-I-N-T-H-I-C-U-M, as well as LinkedIn, where you, I have several cloud computing courses on LinkedIn learning, including architecture, architecture courses that just got out there. Dana, where can we find your stuff on the web? Yes, indeed. You can find me on Twitter at uh, Dana underscore Gardner. I'm on LinkedIn, uh, publishing constantly there. Briefingsdirect.com for podcasts and Briefingsdirect blog for the written version if you're a reader. And make sure to follow Dana. He's a prolific podcaster, blogger, uh, and he's got uh, probably one of the smartest pieces of information in the business right now. And he talks to a lot of interesting people that have a lot of interesting things to say. And I think right now it's a point where you need to listen to lots of different opinions on how this stuff is going to evolve. So until next time, best of luck in building a cloud computing solutions. We'll talk to you guys next week. Take care. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode of Voices in Cloud, please check out the other ones. Removing hybrid and multi-cloud complexity is the focus of a report that David wrote for GigaOM Research. To find out more about taking IT to the next level, download the single report or subscribe to GigaOM Research for future forward advice on data-driven technologies, operations, and business strategies.